to me Cause I'm a little unsteady A little unsteady So you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, start wherever you like. I see the Steve Lawrence okay. coming in, but start wherever you like. Yeah, well, I guess for me it started when I was right old age of 18. Mm -hmm. Got diagnosed with depression. Yep. Went to the doctors. Told a couple of people. Was told, made to feel ashamed. So I'm like, shit, what do I do? Mm -hmm. So I just blocked all the blocked all that shit out and started drinking and making poor decisions and mm -hmm. bottling everything up and yeah, then just went on with life and you know came used to yeah bottling things up and um, not talking about my feelings keep saying you know I was okay mm. I'm okay and spent a lot of time on my own um, you know just crying and letting people treat me badly because I became used to it it's like if I spoke about it mm. I was made to feel bad about it and people didn't care about it so just went on with life and you know had kids and you know got used to just became prone to being alone and not talking about it and yeah did okay. that affect your did it affect your relationships did you have like what just yeah um, love to hear a bit more about that would it affect your relationship with people in general obviously yeah. loved ones but also males you're involved in bits yep. and pieces did it, how did that how did that all look was it how was the environment like it was from looking back now it mm. was pretty to not toxic but it was it was bad but it was to me it was normal it was okay it was okay because I didn't know how to I guess you could say I didn't know how to be loved or be treated right because I hadn't really known that mm -hmm. and um, yeah I just I let people treat me badly because that was normal yeah. yeah that's what mm -hmm. I knew all I knew how did that have an effect over a period of time I guess it was 18 it sort of started and that sort of thing that's when you, you just said you got diagnosed, but how long did it start prior to that? And then yeah. you know, the myriad of things that happened post-18 and the downhill slope from there potentially? Yeah, I guess I guess some of it happened before that. Like, as you said, undiagnosed. Like, I was seven and a half when I lost my dad. Okay. I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And a year before that, I had caught... Um, they don't know how I got it, but when we were living in Australia, I developed encephalitis, which is fluid on the brain, and it caused me to... I was in a coma for three days. When I came out of a coma, I had to learn to walk, talk, and mm -hmm. all that stuff again. And I don't remember my dad. I don't really remember a lot of my childhood. I have the most random memories, mm. but I don't have any clear memories. And people have said to me over the years, oh, you should remember this, and you should remember that. It's like, I don't, and it really... Like, I use a lot of my brain power to try and mm. think and try and remember that, and that's draining. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, and it was talked a lot about how the bond between a father and son affects the son. It's like, what about his daughter? Mm. I lost him too. Mm. And I don't remember him. He did remember him. Mm. And then, 
you know, 10 years after losing him, I lose my granddad. And then it's coming eight years. And then I lose my brother, the one person that we could share mm. some of those memories with and try and get some memories for me. And then I lose him. And that really, you know, that really, really took its toll on me. It's like, you know, three of the most important men in my life, I lost them. Mm. And it's... With no structure behind probably any of them because of... No reasoning, no no idea that they were going. Mm. And it's just like, wow. It's just been really really hard was there some stuff and so when you'd lost your original when you were seven you went through that initial um trauma what did post that look like obviously with the colitis in the brain and bits and pieces i don't know and that's the thing i don't remember so you from seven through to 17 there's not much there in regards to memory or like from there's not a lot there's <coughs> some consistent bits like you know couple of very dear friends mm-hmm. that I've had in that time mm-hmm. um, that I've kept that yep. I've had sort of since a few memories of primary school mm-hmm. a few of intermediate um, a few of high school I didn't enjoy school because I was bullied mm. so I was bullied for being you know but you know, we didn't have a lot of money in our home yep. but we had everything we needed mm-hmm. um, I had didn't have a lot of friends and looking back now, that's okay because the friends that I did have, there was about four or five of us, mm. they were good people. Yep. And they're still, I can proudly say, they're still friends now. Mm. And, you know, it's... It's an <laughs> um, interesting subject because it's, you know, we talk about like, that trauma that you potentially, when you, when you were seven and... and during that period of your life you remember that 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 happened to you but then post that there's messy and muddy and um inconsistent memories of throughout that period so you know that then alone creates trauma in the brain like mm. trying to like you say use a lot of brain power and trying to remember the right stuff or even just make sense mm. of all that childhood to actually be an adult to a certain yeah. degree i mean you got there physically but the mental Mentally. stuff behind it's all not there either so yeah. um so Post 17, 18, when you were diagnosed with depression, what did the post that look like from a life point of view? You know, relationships, um, work, um, I wasn't school, what sort of working. stuff? I was, I was trying to find work. Yep. And that was the other interesting thing, like looking for work when mm-hmm. you don't have experience. Yep. They want someone young, but with experience. It's like, how can I get experience if mm-hmm. you won't give me a chance? Absolutely. Yep. So I had like a few jobs, but nothing nothing concrete was sort of nothing like, concrete yeah. nothing that was exciting or challenging mm. um i just you know just sort of went from here to there and sort of moved all over the place and um in relationships how did that how did that look <laughs> really bad <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah just you know I inconsistency, I guess, with emotional probably regulation. Yeah, it's I something like somehow I got the idea that men were only after one thing, mm-hmm. and if I gave it to them, they would love me. Mm-hmm. 
no. quite the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Really, you know. And then that itself probably causes a few headaches. Yeah, a lot of headaches, a lot of heartache. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you know, I thought I gave them what they wanted, they'd love me. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Mm. Absolutely. Um, did you, um, is there a pivotal point during that moment where that changed or? Yes, I can't remember exactly when, you know. Um, and, you know, that went on for years. Mm-hmm. And then I met my kid's father. Mm-hmm. Um, we broke up after, I think it was about six months. And then we, I had like uh, Christmas Eve about. 22 years ago mm-hmm. I had a horrible miscarriage mm-hmm. um, and when it comes to Christmas a lot of people say to me oh Merry Christmas I'm like uh, hate it and they think I'm a Grinch they imply that I'm a Grinch it's like Christmas Eve I was told you're pregnant mm-hmm. but either way you're not having a baby mm-hmm. see there are any topic pregnancy or miscarriage I'm like shit mm-hmm. And I remember someone sitting beside me saying, oh my God, you're pregnant, you can't even have this, I'm not. And she kept saying to me, oh no, it could be okay. I said, the fucking baby's dead, what part of that don't you understand? Mm. And I knew she meant well, but mm. it was like, so every time someone says something about Christmas, I'm like, I just say to people now, you shouldn't say the C word till December. Mm. Just, and they're like, oh, you're a Christmas Grinch, you know, and you're a sad sack. I'm like, I'm not going to stand funny, here and explain why. Funny in you. Yeah. Mm. So I remember laying there Christmas Eve, you know, having that procedure and mm. coming out, and I'm just like, and then the next day on Christmas Day, I was like, holy shit. Mm. Trying to imagine what would have done no. to your brain. I was like, wow. And then that, uh, a couple of months later, broke up with the father again, spent like a year, like, wanting him back. Mm-hmm. And we got back together. And then I remember before I found out I was pregnant with my first son, I was sitting in a specialist office in Merivale and the doctor told me, he's like, there's only a 20% chance you can have a child. I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I really wanted kids. Yep. So a week later, when I was told I was pregnant again, I'm like, holy shit, someone's, someone's got something wrong somewhere. Yep. And... Um, and when I found out I was pregnant, I was like about three and a half, four months. I was like, holy shit, this, this is serious. This, this, this is, is real. This is real. A few, few months now. Yep. This is real. And he's 20 now. Turned 20 on the 11th of June. Amazing. Okay. And then had him. Things were okay. Then we broke up again. And I'm like, oh, okay. Single mum, one kid, no one's going to want me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got back together, and within weeks, fell pregnant with a second one. I'm like, holy shit. So, fast forward, you know, I'm finding out from that time, you know, when I found out I was pregnant with the next one, I'm like, okay, shit. Right, no, you know. And, you know, we didn't last. Don't get me wrong, he was a good dad, mm. good provider. Mm. You know, can't yeah. fault him there, but mm. just, we weren't good together. Yep. And... And that was probably the hardest decision I ever, t- ever had to make. Was mm. like, we can still be good parents, mm. but we're probably better parents if we're not together. We didn't yeah. fight, we didn't argue. Yep. 
He never laid a hand on me. Mm-hmm. Like I said, brilliant dad, brilliant, brilliant provider. Yep. But yeah, but you know, sadly, he hasn't been in his kids' lives for about five years. Mm-hmm. So I've been mum and dad. Yep. It's been hard work. I can bet it has. It's been hard work, but yeah. No, they're good. They're good people. They've, mm. they've saved me from mm. a lot of more bad decisions. Yep. And you know. Kept me on the toes. Mm-hmm. They're 20 now and nearly 19, so. Amazing. They're both working. Amazing. Must have done something right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so fast forward a little, a little bit further down the track and you mentioned your uh, your brother. Yeah. Um, do you want to give me a little insight into that? Yeah, so it was just me and Warren. It was always me and Warren, you mm-hmm. know. We fought like siblings do. Mm-hmm. He, when it came, push came to shove, he protected me. Mm-hmm. And I've told many people this story, like there was this one incident, I can't remember what school it was at, but at school. Mm-hmm. Someone was picking on me and he noticed it and he's like, you left my little sister alone. Anyway, I came home and I was so proud. I was like, mom, mom, someone was picking on me today and Warren stood up for me and he turns around and he goes, the only one that's about to beat her up is me. <laughs> <laughs> he was so proud about that. <laughs> He right. was awesome. Mm-hmm. He had his struggles too. We both did. Yep. And we talked a lot. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot. So I don't know, it was pretty hard hitting when you lost him? Yeah. I remember the last thing I said to him, it was a Sunday night I was going to work. And um, we had his youngest son over because it was the school holidays, mm-hmm. which was the next day. And... Um, so there was me, mum in the house, my two kids and his youngest son. And I went off to work and he was not good with money. And you know, he got hooked onto synthetics and I left for work and I made sure he, I knew he had I knew he needed a cigarette and he had enough managed to get enough tailor made cigarettes and would roll them and mm-hmm. get three or four out of them. And I'm, like, I'm not going to bug him for one. He needs them more than me. Um, so I stood in the garage, doorway of the garage, and I says to him, see you, see you tomorrow, bro. Love you. He's like, huh. And that was the, that was one of his common responses, like, mm-hmm. huh. And anyway, so I went off to work and did the shift at work and text mum and rum rum throughout the night, oh, how's everything going? Oh yeah, he's just in the garage, I'll leave him. Anyway, I came home, finally got home, it'd been a crap night at work because um, a friend that was um, security guard at work at the time, he had diabetes and he had this diabetic episode and so he couldn't drop me at home, so I managed to get someone to drop me off at home. And I walked up the driveway, saw the garage light on, and I'm like, no, I'll leave him. I'll let him sleep. So I did that and I went there and I laid him to bed. And Mum was awake and I asked how things were. He's fine. He's got work in the morning. So he managed to land a job and he was really excited about it. And um, usually, you know, midnight shift, you unwind, you go to sleep about 2 3 o'clock. Mm. And next thing you know, the lights are on in the hallway. 
was kind of sewing. And he makes me out the kids are yelling at me and like, what? And mum mum stood up in the doorway of the bedroom. She said, he's gone. I said, what are you on about? And we're heading to the lounge. We're here sleep. And I said, he's not there. She said, you know, he's gone. What the fuck do you mean? And she's on the phone to St. John's and she goes, and I ran into the garage and I'd looked and I saw him there and I was like, And they're telling her to cut him down and check him and fucking get here. Do your fucking job. Fucking yelling at them and I'm just like, and the kids, kids realised what was going on because mum tried not to wake them up and I'm like, you don't ever, ever forget that moment. It's like, and then I'm like, holy shit, I knew what she meant when she said he was gone. I can't, I'm not going to stop you, um, I can't even begin to comprehend how that would feel, I don't know, I've lost people to suicide before but I've never been put in that position so That's... I can't comprehend what you've been through, I can't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine you want to want anybody. No, no one should have to go through it and it was like fuck, anyway they, they got there and just like saying to the kids and, and while I was yelling at them to hurry up and come and do their fucking job. Mm. All those kids, mm. they went in there and they saw it. Mm. And I was like, oh, it's just, it's, it's just something you never, no one should see. No one should see, no one should have to go through it. And then it was like, fuck. Oh. And next, you know, we're just sitting there. You know, the police arrived, they were amazing. They arrived and they're sitting there saying, don't do this. And you know, I just sat there and I tried to run my boss at work and I managed to get out. I had Selena and then I just couldn't talk. Mm. I couldn't get yeah. it out so I handed the phone to mum. I was just like, I just couldn't talk. And next thing you know, we've got police in the house, we've got and within hours we had people. There were people there that I probably don't remember that were there because mm. it just became... Complete blur. Yeah. And, it, and then, you know, and then the amount of people that contacted us and it was just like, there was just so many, we saw so many people over that week that I actually don't remember. Mm. It's just that week became blur. Just, you know, so much change for us. Like things that we could say in the house and couldn't say, mm. things that we could do and couldn't do. My kids wouldn't let me out of their sight. Mm. I couldn't go to the bathroom. Mm. I, the kids wouldn't have a shower without me sitting outside the bathroom door. They, I could no longer say to them, go hang up your back. Mm, yeah. Just that one, that mm. one word, like, mm. just, I had to, and not a lot of people, ironically, after he passed away, not a lot of people, not a lot of people actually asked us how he died. Mm. I think they kind of knew. Yeah. And then mum had to contact the prison and tell them 
to help his older son, who's mm. in prison, mm. what had happened. First thing they turned around, first thing he turned around to the guards and said, he killed himself, didn't he? Mm. He knew. Mm. Unreal. I don't even have words for it, to be honest. It's makes me sad just to think about it, to be fair. What was the flaws there? Um, I'm trying to diminish what you're saying, but what was the post or even try and think out of that place that we're just going through, but what were you going through, what, what happened post that in regards to your mental state and the family's mental state, mainly yours, what was... Before? No, post, no, after? Post, yeah, what did it look like? I threw myself into work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, again. he's not around. Yeah. Got to look after my family. I've got to look after mum. Mm-hmm. Got to look after the kids. Mm-hmm. Got to look after everyone. I did that, but I forgot to look after myself. Mm-hmm. I I went to work. And about nine months later, I I actually went to the doctors. I said, "I'm not coping. Mm. I need help." Mm. So they made me an appointment for anxiety services, mm-hmm. and I went there. The first thing I said to the person that diagnosed me said, don't fail me like you failed my brother. Mm. He said, we won't. So he gave me this, I got like four or five diagnoses, like depression, manic depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, something else. All the medications they've tried didn't work. Mm-hmm. Nothing has worked to this day. I um, mean, I did a um, couple of their most intensive courses, apparently. Mm-hmm. And they didn't help. They didn't help. And the last thing that someone from mental health says to me, Selena, you're not getting any better. I'm like, I know. Mm. She said, there's no more we can do for you. I'm like, what? Mm. Well, and then Can't instead of there are there other people thinking, this is Hill Morton. Mm. That's what you do. You help people. You mm. make them better. Yep. Well, and you then, mean to. Yeah, and then she's like, there's no more we can do for you. Like, oh. And then she tried to tell me about lists of counsellors mm-hmm. and a lot of I said don't rail find them out myself fuck you can't help me mm. I don't fucking want your list mm. and I left and I got in the car and I said to mum they can't help me mm. I was fucking petrified mm. I was saying shit what do I do mm. and it's probably the quietest car ride that yeah. mum and I have ever had on the way out I said shit what do I do mm. so I was petrified mm. petrified for me petrified for my mum petrified for my kids yep. they've already lost their uncle mm. and the weeks to come I, you know you were going down the same path potentially I had the most from Warren's death to then I had the most horrific nightmares like, that I would go to 
pick my kids up. Mm. They'd be dead. Mm. I, I saw. I saw my own funeral several fucking times. Brutal. I saw my kids broken so many times. I saw. I saw everyone around me gone so many times. Mm. I was fucking scared. Mm. So, you're not there now? No, I'm still here. <laughs> so where, um, where did that come from, those bricks that you built to, to where you are now? Like, you know, you know I chatted over on the coffee yeah. and bits and a few times and that sort of stuff, and um, um, you're in a much, 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 from what I can see, and what I understand, from where you were to where you are now. So where did, what did that, where did that just come from? What was it systemic from? I think it came from, it's like he's gone, mm. and it's fucking hard, mm-hmm. and all these other people are gone, mm-hmm. and then I saw on you know, good old Facebook, because there's some good things there, mm. I saw on Facebook about Hope Walk, mm-hmm. and I think it was the first one we went to in 2017. Yeah. And that's when I met Amber, Jason, mm-hmm. a whole heap of other people. And there's just, it's like, I finally found, and me and my family finally found, the people that do care, mm-hmm. the people that do listen. Absolutely. And the people that understand. And it's like, these people that I went to and said I need help, they didn't help me. Mm-hmm. That's what they meant to do. Yep. And the other thing about Hope Walk and all these other places that aren't government funded, yep. aren't um, worked in by these, I wouldn't say the uneducated, but these educated textbook people, I've got no fucking idea. Non-lived. Mm. Got no idea mm-hmm. what it's really like for so people like us. Not the first time I've heard it. No, mm. and it probably won't be the last. Mm. And any, honestly, any time I hear about someone saying, "Oh, you know, this happened to this person who's gone to Hill Morton," I wait for the news. I've been there. Someone else has died. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, about we went to visit Warren once when he was in there. He was a fucking zombie. Mm-hmm. He was like a former shell of what he's really like. Mm-hmm. He even became scared to go there. Because mm-hmm. all they do, phrase that, all I've seen that they do and heard about what they do, mm-hmm. they medicate them. It's not the fucking medication they need. They need someone to listen to them and fucking help them. Mm. Someone that understands yep. what it's really like for someone with mental health. Because mm-hmm. if you don't fit into their wee box, if you don't fit into their wee boxes, you just could get us. Well, or, or your scenario. Yeah. Wash the hands of you. See you later. Yeah. I'm like, wow. You know, I was like, holy shit. Absolutely. So the Hope Walk helps, the, the Hope Walk, <coughs> excuse me, um, the Hope Walk help heaps in regards to, 
at least creating a, a pathway or at least some stepping stones to get you out of that space and moving in the right direction? Like, yeah, oh, definitely. It's um, just, you know, talk to, and you hear someone, and I guess, you know, you listen, you, you go to these events, you go to this place, and you, just, you see people, you hear people, and you're like, I can get it. Mm. I get it. Like, if you could put these people from a Hope Walk or one of those events to do it with me, if you could put those people in somewhere like Hillmorton, mm. I really don't think we would see the deaths that we see. Absolutely. These people, these are real people. These are their mums, their dads, mm. their, their kids, babies. Mm. Like one year we went there and we heard a story about a bloody 13 year old. It's like, what, you know? I'm, the thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm reacting to that, but I'm not surprised mm. at all. Like, it's not a surprise to me that I hear those stories and that I, you know, see them day to day and bits and pieces with people I deal with. It's just not. It's not a surprise anymore. It would be probably 10 years ago. I'd be like, what the? But yeah. you know, it's just a common occurrence. Well, well, I remember the first time I, well, vaguely remember back when I was like really young and the first time I heard about the word suicide, it was dirty. It was a dirty word. It was like, you whispered it to people. You didn't say it out loud. Mm. And it's like, now it's just like, you hear a thing on the news, they're like, oh, you know, non-suspicious, like suicide. And people are like, how? Can you talk about it so calmly? And it's like it's real, and people need to hear. Absolutely, I think we we, we spend so much time, you know, um, creating this taboo world where we we, mm. we can't talk about it, we shouldn't talk about it, bits and pieces. But like, how do we expect to get awareness out there or education around it, bits and pieces, if we're not actually confronting and actually dealing with it properly? Mm. It just seems to be this thing that seems to be magically it wants to disappear. I'm like, it's, it's like we're not going to talk about it, but we want to yeah. solve it. Yeah, fuck, it makes no sense. I agree with you, one hundred percent. That's why I got my tattoo. My auntie hates it because she doesn't like the word fuck. It's yeah. like I went, I messaged the tattoo guy, and I'm like, hey, I want to get this, and he's yeah. like, sweet, because yep. he himself lost a very dear friend to yep. suicide, and. Marty Stewart, she's like, I know what it means. I don't like the word. Sweet. But then I'm like, nah. So across the top of my shoulder, I'm like, hashtag fuck suicide. Yep. It's like, it's like I've Accurate. got semicolons on me and <laughs> Accurate. It's, can't get much simpler than that. Like, Absolutely. you know, if I go certain places, I'm like, I probably shouldn't wear the singlet because someone might appreciate that. But it's like, it's you. I can Loud go to proud. some, I can go to somewhere like Hopewell and be like, hey, look at this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you've got so you've got to um, back the hope book. So you managed to get involved with that in bits and pieces, and now you're a keen advocate of mental health and getting things moving and, and that sort of thing. So what's all that like to this now as as you are um, something that at this day and age, what's 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 that look like in regards to helping out in this space and where you're at? Going to these walks, talking cool. to people. You know, like a friend messaged me not so long ago about someone that her family friends had lost i'm like okay so i'm like oh, i can't help you personally but mm. this is where you do need to go and i mean i spoke at hope walk i think it was a couple of years ago the mm -hmm. first one after covid mm -hmm. because we managed we got two in that year like we sort of got a smaller one and then we got another one i was just like standing there shaking the whole time like, oh, shit, I've never done this before. <laughs> and then 
friend of mine who I've known for like 20 plus years, she messaged me, she said, she said, I just need to tell you. Um, she said, I couldn't watch it straight away. But then she tells me, messaged me to tell me that her son mm. had taken an overdose, mm. tried to kill themselves mm. so many days before. And she said in that message, she said, you made a difference to me. I'm like, oh my God. Amazing. And I'm like, if more people could talk about their realities, how hard it is, mm. one person at a time, we can make a difference. Absolutely. You know? You know, we all can. And, and it's just like, and no one should be ashamed of telling their loved one's story. Yeah. Whether it be family, partner, children, no one. Agreed. Should be ashamed of that. Agreed their real struggles, their real life, their real issues. Well, the amazing thing is, is that everybody I've had through, come through across all the episodes is, it's amazing people, how many people want to genuinely give back, but also just be involved in the space. But yeah. yes, sometimes we get lost in the ways of not knowing where to go or how to do. And we're so, like a lot of places, we're so tied up with political red tape and stuff where it's either got to be the same before someone that's got to be either a job or it's got to be something you're actively involved with from different angles but I think we can have so much impact if we like this is a not saying to be able to end all having this podcast but it's definitely a starting point from an awareness point of view and if we can bring all the people together <clears throat> and I said every one of them everyone that's come on here is, is keen to get involved then and it can spread like wildfire pretty quickly and I think we have a pretty powerful network going forward that can actually make change quite quickly if we need to without any agendas mm-hmm. without any motives without anything else but about helping people because I think the other thing too is a lot of people think, you know, what depression looks like. Mm. They think it's someone crying. Mm. It's not. No. 99.9% of the time you'll see it's that person smiling. Oh, absolutely. Classic example, Robin Williams. Yep. Love that man, he's awesome. Yep. And there's just been, so, and recently there was the, was it the guy from the Crusaders? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep, it was. And, you know, and and another thing a lot of people don't realise that Warren was not the only one in our family. Mm-hmm. We lost a suicide. It was my auntie. Mm-hmm. It was a cousin. Mm-hmm. That's three people on one side of the family. Brutal. It's like, holy shit. It's got to stop somewhere. The chain's got to be broken at some point. Yeah, and it's just like, and, you know, like I spoke about Warren, like Warren was 38 when he died. My dad was 34. So when I got to 30, you know, I got to 34, that was good. Warren got, yep. And when I got to 30, I'm like, okay, I can do this. I tell you what, though, the closer I got to 40, mm. I was so scared. Because mm. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yep. Was I going to make it? Yep. And I did. So sure have. every year, like I'm now 45 and I'm just like, Okay, outlived dad by 11 years. Shit, I could do this. It's not easy. Step at a time, though. One day step at a time, one day at a time. Step at a time. That's, and that's the one thing I say to people. Like, I can't tell you how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Just take it one day at Absolutely. a time. Absolutely. And one of the last things I say to them is always be kind to yourself. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in today. 
Um, I love the story. I've you know we've touched on the story in the past over coffee and bits and pieces, but I've, um, it's such a such a like you know to go from being seven and having that that instance happen to you and then cephalitis and and trying to deal with that and not knowing where that whole space looks like in your brain and even trying to piece in the jigsaw puzzle together is just about impossible because you don't have any memories or minimal memories of that space would be tough in, in, in the best sense um and to go through so many deaths and you know losing two brothers to suicide and like the testament to how strong the character is to be still sitting here talking to me and, you know and how yeah. strong you are so um you're doing amazing i can't wait to do some more stuff with you um and i don't say this you know you've known me long enough now um when we first got in contact with each other and more personal my words so i'm looking forward to um, doing more things in this space helping out the mental health space and um, using your skill set um, and your experience lived experiences to be able to support more people so thanks for coming today i appreciate it no problem awesome